0: Welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read about the OG vegetarian vampire so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read Banicula by Deborah and James Howe. Joining us to discuss this iconic middle grade horror story is Laura. Hello, Laura. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. We are happy to have you. This was one of my, oh, flashback summer. Let's start by saying it's flashback summer. Oh,
1: yeah. It's flashback summer. (laughs) Yeah, this is a recurring feature that we do, um, partly because it's fun, partly to give ourselves a little bit of a break um, (laughs) in the summertime, and, you know, partly because everyone seems to really enjoy these little trips. um, I can't say everybody. Everybody that talks to us seems to enjoy these trips down memory lane. Uh, no one's complained about it, which is great. To your face, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Say what you want behind my back. I'm, just don't at me about this. I'm totally here for it, though. Like,
2: I was so delighted when you said you were going to be working on this book because it's the this book and the subsequent books are some of my favorites and have such I have such fun memories. Some when I was a kid. So, it's I think it's a great idea. And I'll yeah. say that to your
1: face. Oh, thank you. Um, the only thing, we just have to sort of specially designate it Flashback Summer and get this out of the way immediately because otherwise people are like, wait a minute, your worst bestseller is nearing reading Does that mean you think this book is bad? Because that book's not bad. I'll fight you. And I'm like, <laughs> uh-huh. no, I would fight myself also. Um, I did so- worry about that at first, actually.
2: I was like, does that mean that they don't like it? Am I supposed to say? Because we could have a fight on the podcast. That could probably, you know, be really
1: interesting. Yeah, exactly. So Flashback Summer, we're just giving ourselves... And of course, as if you listen to the podcast, you know sometimes we listen to these books or we read these books that we think might be bad and then we actually really like them. This is, uh, you know... But this is a case where like we remember them as being good and we just want to check back in with them and we generally find that they still are good. And that's why we're specifically calling it Flashback Summer to just... Separate it from the worst bestsellers brand a little bit. Yes. Um this was one that I chose, and Renata, I'm not sure.
0: It was so loud in that restaurant when we talked about what we were going to be doing for Flashback Summer. I can't remember. If you it said was that so this loud was in Steaks
1: and Cakes. It was just the yes, platter we were of people setting these full platters of steaks down is so loud on those tables.
0: <laughs> um, but this is definitely one of my beloved childhood books in a, a weird way. I came to them in kind of like a backwards way. I bought Return to the Howl Day Inn at the Scholastic Book Fair in like 1992.
2: Wow, that's a ways out from the original material. <laughs>
0: yeah, I didn't realize it was part of a series. And then like when my mom went to start reading it to us at bedtime, she was like, I don't think this is the first book. And I think we read it anyway and then went back and bought like the the first four or five books in the series. But as a person who loved rabbits as a child and who had a black and white rabbit, uh this was very clearly like a cornerstone of of my childhood.
1: Yeah, I've read them. I enjoyed them. They weren't like my faves that I would revisit. And you know, I think I also read them out of order because the one I remember most clearly is The Celery Stocks at Midnight, because I was sort of like just at the age where I understood that pun, and I thought it was <laughs> so clever, and I think that sort of like grabbed me, and I read that maybe first, or at least that's what I remember most.
2: Nada, I really just re- literally this moment realized what the pun is.
1: <laughs> I literally- <laughs> Wow. All right, so my you can God. appreciate that pun at any age, I suppose. But... I mean, I guess. I feel like I should have appreciated
2: it way before this. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I read a lot when I was a kid. I mean, I'm one of those, you know, I devoured every book that was put in front of me. Um, so I don't actually remember um, how and when I came across these books. I think my first introduction was the Hot Fudge Picture book, which had really delightful illustrations of both chocolate and recipes for fudge in the back.
1: Is that and, related uh, to this? I don't think I ever read that one
2: it is um it's it's a it's a children's like picture book i think i said that already um but yeah and it's got these beautiful full color illustrations um at least the edition that i had did Uh, and the story basically goes that um harold and chester are kind of you know they they see a tray of fudge in the kitchen and of course harold who is the dog that can eat chocolate which i'll get to later (laughs) Um, and they're like, ooh, fudge. Maybe we'll get some. And then later on, they go, they go back in, and the fudge seems to have turned white. And they're like, Banicula. But Banicula is still in his cage. Um, and then it turns out that Mrs. Monroe is making fudge for like a county fair or something, and one of them is just a white chocolate batch. Sneaky. And then the book ends with recipes. And I think I, I read that and was delighted. And then later on, discovered that there were more books, and was like, ooh, yay! So that's nice. my intro.
1: That's always the best when you discover oh yeah, there's more of this. By the way, this is the 40th anniversary of Benicula, which we definitely knew in advance and planned on purpose to join in the celebration of the 40th anniversary. Oh yeah, that For definitely sure. sounds like us. For sure, we were on time now. Absolutely. We discovered it randomly by Twitter and we were very excited though. <laughs> well also, done. I they put out a 40th anniversary edition and it's like I've got a velvet cover, and it, I don't know, I requested a copy from the library, and here's on top of it I am as I requested it, and it came in before we recorded, but then I got sick right before recording this, so I, I know that it is on the shelf at the library waiting for me, and I will not be able to go get it until after we've recorded this, so I don't have any hot takes on the special 40th anniversary edition, but it exists, and you could get it from my library, eventually.
0: (laughs) yeah i have i saved i saw like a tweet about it going around and i was like oh i have to save this this will be relevant in a couple weeks and also maybe it's relevant to me as a person although i i need to not i i've been trying to buy fewer physical books because there's just nowhere to put them and i'm trying to get rid of physical books that i have but the physical books that i do keep buying continue to be like like I, I went through this thing where at like three o'clock in the morning i was like what if i bought a whole bunch of like scholastic point horror books off of amazon's used book section sure. so i did that <sighs> um,
2: <laughs> heck yes
0: but this isn't about point horror although it could be because i could talk about those forever <laughs> this is about vanicula <laughs>
1: Yeah, we've talked in circles around what it is, and I think we've assumed that everyone is familiar with Benicula. But what if you're not? What then?
0: So I think then we are going to give a plot summary of Benicula and then perhaps talk a little bit more about what was so appealing about it to us as youths and adults still. So Benicula is told from the point of view of Harold, who is a dog... And it is told by, through Harold, dropping a manuscript off at an editor's... A book editor's house with a note basically being like, I'm a dog and this thing happened to my family. (laughs) So my cat friend encouraged me to write a book about it. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. You know Chester um, Ghost wrote that book, though.
0: Absolutely. And the story that Harold tells... Is that uh, there's one night he and Chester, who is a cat, uh, are home at their house by themselves while their family, the Monroes, which is a Mr. and Mrs. Monroe. And Mr. Monroe is a professor and Mrs. Monroe is a lawyer and their two sons, Pete and Toby, are out at the movies. And Harold explains that because their household is so educated, everyone in the house talks to them like they're people. Mm -hmm. Which I find so charming.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's just polite. I know.
0: (laughs) Um, So they're out at the movies, and they come home early, dripping wet and holding, like, this bundle of rags and all talking at once. And then finally they stop to explain to Chester and Harold that while they were at the movies, they got there late, and uh, Toby or Pete went to go sit down I think Toby went to sit down on on his chair in the movie theater, and there was a bundle there, and when the usher came over to yell at them for talking so much, they used his flashlight to discover that it was a, a rabbit, a little baby black and white rabbit wrapped up in towels, and there was a note attached to them that is in, like, what... <laughs> What Harold, as part Russian wolfhound, recognizes is a Russian dialect from some area. I'm sure. Close oh, to hold France. on, hold on. This is my
2: area. Okay, okay it's, go a, for it. it's a. It's <laughs> a. Sorry. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. Please educate us. It is a. He says it is a an obscure Carpathian dialect or something like that, which. You know, it, it twigs out my very literal brain because, you know, Russian and Romanian and related languages are not related at all. They're, <laughs> Iranian is a Romance language. Um, but yeah, no, apparently because he's partially Wolfhound, he can understand obscure Carpathian dialects.
1: But the, but then he says it's from Transylvania, right? Like that's the Which region. Which is a, yeah, it's a region. And wait. A region known it? for vampires. Yes.
0: <laughs> um. So they put together a little house the the humans put together a little hutch for the rabbit and mrs monroe decides after a lightning round of everyone trying to give the rabbit increasingly bizarre names uh, she says he's a bunny and we found him at a dracula movie so we're going to call him Benicula, and everyone likes that so they go with it uh, Chester is already uh, suspicious of this rabbit, and definitely not because he is already feeling some, you know, lack of attention being showered on him. Most certainly, <laughs> uh, when they go to try to feed the rabbit milk, and he doesn't want it, and instead of giving it to Chester, they put it back in the fridge. Just,
2: just
1: there so, are so many
2: terrible dietary decisions for animals I in know, this book. <laughs> oh
1: uh, yeah also i want to just jump back on the names because because uh, chester the cat is actually named for gk chesterton and uh oh i brought this up and i already forgot what harold is named for they have these like real literary ass names these animals anyway certainly when i was a kid i didn't know at all who gk chesterton was and i i guess that is um emblematic of this book's sense of humor like this is uh, at all p- all points doing things at like an adult level or just like a very educated child level i guess
2: actually fun fact if you look up uh gk chesterton on uh, google the f- second link you get is one uh from his official website called who is this guy and why haven't i heard of him <laughs> <laughs>
0: So Chester, uh, the next day, informs Harold that he had woken up in the middle of the night, seeing that the rabbit was awake and looking evilish, and they need to be wary of this rabbit who's encroaching on their territory, and he's up to something. And Chester knows it, and it's up to them to protect the family. So at first, Chester's not quite sure. Why they need to protect the family. Harold has no fucking idea what's going on because he doesn't care. And then they start, the family starts finding what they eventually figure out are white vegetables. Vegetables that have been sucked clean of all of the vegetable juice and inside and are just like translucent, (laughs) semi-opaque-ish, white. Those are two things that mean two different things, but we're going to roll with it. Mm
1: They're like ghost vegetables.
0: Ghost vegetables around in the house. And Chester announces that he's read about this in a book. And Benicula, who has these little fangs that rabbits aren't supposed to have, is a vampire rabbit and is sucking the juice out of the vegetables. And that's how he gets his sustenance. And right now he's only focused on vegetables. But any day now he could turn on the whole family. And it is up to them to protect the family from this vampire rabbit. And Harold is like, you're kind of nuts, but fucking whatever.
1: By the way, I'm I'm wrong. Harold isn't named anything other than just Harold. I guess he just has a really dignified name for a dog. Yeah. So they they find all these ghost vegetables, which I feel like if this book were set now, they could just sell them at the farmers market and and get like, um, be like, like these are so Instagrammable. Look at these cool white vegetables. But they yeah, don't the f- do that. They have fewer calories. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, they're detoxifying. They've been detoxified.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: So the, the family thinks that they, they've they started, that there's something wrong with the vegetables because of the market that they're shopping at. Um, but Chester knows what's really going on. So he starts a string of uh, events that, or a string of, of different ways to protect the family from...
1: From the vampire. So, like, From the he, vampire. He puts garlic out everywhere, which doesn't seem to do anything, except make the house smell weird, which Harold doesn't care for.
0: Yes. And uh, the next morning, when the Munroes figure out that Chester was the one who's been playing with garlic, they also make him take a bath, which is just very undignified for Chester, a very noble cat. Mm-hmm.
1: I felt for him. Um, Chester also attempts to do like an elaborate game of charades. And he, like, puts a towel cape on like a vampire would wear. And he's, like, trying to mime out vampire. And the family's just like, oh, my God. Like, I guess Chester's sick. Maybe he's cold.
2: Weirdly unconcerned that their cat has managed to tie a towel around its neck.
1: Yeah, they're like, oh, I guess Chester's cold. I guess we'll put his cute little sweater on him and then he'll be fine. Obviously, you can imagine Chester does not care to wear this sweater.
0: Then uh, the next night... When Mrs. Monroe is preparing a steak to for dinner for the family, Chester convinces Harold to take Benicula out of the cage during the day, because he sleeps during the day, and then tries to use the steak to stake him, which he does by draping the steak over the rabbit and then kind of hitting it at him, uh, which clearly doesn't work. <laughs> um the Monroes come home and they're like chester what the fuck and uh chester is in trouble and he's kicked out of the house for the night and then after that i believe uh things seem to be kind of chill for a little while until harold notices that benicula is like not feeling super well he's not doing well he's like shivering and he looks kind of sickly and chester's really tired all the time and he discovers that chester has been staying up all night to stop benicula from going into the kitchen and also has been stealing all of the vegetables that toby and pete leave for him during the day and is essentially starving benicula and a has really, like, become buddies with Benicula. He seems he's not very talkative, but he's pretty chill. Uh, and he thinks that it's horrible that Chester's doing this to this poor rabbit. He's not hurting anyone. He's just trying to eat. So when he sees that Mrs. Monroe has prepared a big salad for dinner, he decides he's going to sneak Benicula out of the cage, put him in the salad so he can eat everything that he wants, and then when they put the white dressing on top of it, they won't notice the white vegetables, And he can put Benicula back in the cage, and no one will be any the wiser, and Benicula will be okay, and Chester won't be able to starve him any longer. But Chester comes in in the middle of this plan, and it becomes a disaster. Salad goes everywhere. Benicula is terrified when Chester jumps on the salad to try and attack him. And uh, the Monroes come in in the middle of it, and are like, what the fuck is wrong with all of our animals?
1: Can I just, I just want to say that I stand a family who applies ranch dressing so thoroughly that it would mask vampire vegetables, right? <laughs> like, they're doing it so right. They're really the eliminating the benefits of that detoxification.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so they, they take all the animals to the vet, Chester, because he's acting so weird. Uh, Benicula because he looks unwell and Harold because like whatever maybe Harold needs shots.
1: Yeah they're like oh, as long as we're going I think Harold's due for shots right and Harold obviously very concerned about this. But when they
0: get there it turns out that Harold doesn't need his shots uh, they decide to put Benicula on a liquid ti- liquid diet to help him bulk up because he's been he's so sickly and skinny, and they think he hasn't been eating. And they essentially are like, bring Chester to a cat psychiatrist because he's having uh, sibling rivalry issues because of Benicula.
1: By the way, his psychiatrist is named Doctor Katz K T Z. It's very good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, So, Vanicula takes very well to his liquid diet, so they decide to keep him on it. Uh, Chester becomes very obsessed with his therapy and what he's learning from his therapist. And Harold's just happy that he didn't have to get shots. And, you know, his rabbit buddy and his cat buddy are both okay. And, you know, all's well that ends well. And that's the book.
1: That's the book. Yeah, it's pretty short. It's a pretty quick read. I, I really like... I've identified two things that I like about this book that I don't like about some other books that we've read. Um, it's narrated by an animal, which I generally like, except for if it seems like the animals are going to be hurt. And despite the fact that there's, like, a vampire animal in this and, like, these animals are doing dumb shit all the time, it just is, like, very clear that uh, they're going to be fine. These are all going to be fine. Um... I so, like that very much, as opposed to, like, warriors, where it's like, oh, shit, these animals are all going to, like, murder each other, I think. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> um, I really like that the book, uh, uh, the exp- the vocabulary is a lot less, like, you know, a lot of kidlit they sort of tend to use very simple words and turns of phrase and um, references, but in this book, you know, uh, clearly, it's, um, you know, Deborah and James Howe they have a background in literature. They they know what they're talking about and they make these references to more elaborate books and they use words that are, you know, not, you know, just at a, a kindergarten reading level. And it kind of really, when I was a kid, it really sort of made me feel like I was reading a grown-up book, you know?
1: It's like a proto uh, let me snick Snicket in that way. Yeah. yeah! Yes, very much.
2: Yeah,
0: I, I mean, clearly knowing what... You know about me, listeners, that I A, like rabbits, and B, like spooky stuff. Clearly, right off the bat, this was in my wheelhouse. I And as as listeners who have been hanging around for a while may know, I actually ha- did not read Dracula until a couple years ago for a book club that I was in. Don't know why I waited that long. Dracula's a very good book filled with all sorts of friendship and train times <laughs> tables and all sorts of important things like that. But I, I clearly, even at this point, I pick up enough through childhood osmosis to appreciate the vampiric parallels at the age of, you know, seven or eight or whatever it was I first read these. But yeah, just like everything about them I loved. I loved that they were funny and had like the, the dressings of scary without actually necessarily being scary. I mean, I personally probably would have liked them even if they were scary but i do like how they managed to uh sort of wed this kind of humor and absurdism with uh absurdity rather with you know just kind of kind of the window dressings of horror
2: some of the sequel books get a little bit spooky though like the the holiday in books are a little bit like i remember being a little a little spooked by those when i was younger
1: yeah when you straight up think that they murdered chester yeah i don't think i read that one and so that's Probably for the best. (laughs) That sounds upsetting.
0: (laughs) Well, don't worry. He's not really murdered. Thank God. Yeah, I actually, in preparing for this episode, I listened to the first three because they were all on the same audiobook. And it was just like, it was just very delightful to go back and see kind of how the story of these characters continues. How will they end is just still delightful, like it does have that like creepy mystery edge to it. But also just like Chester Chester's imaginings are so absurd. and he's so like dignified or or at least he thinks he's dignified. And Harold thinks he's dignified throughout them,
2: where Chester like it sort of reads like he's sorry, uh, he's um sort of giving voice to that, you know, that the invisible threat thing that all cats do. Yeah, like they're, they're all always imagining that there are terrible things around us and this cat can just explain it to us in literature.
0: <laughs> yes. He like he he just is so sure of himself when he's like, "Well, obviously, you know, this rabbits a vampire. Well, obviously, you know, the people at this pet boarding facility are going to try to do experiments on us or c- kill us or whatever." And it, it's just like very delightful and just the contrast between Harold and Chester is very delightful. I just really like these books. I just like them, is what I'm trying to say.
1: Good. Yes. Yeah, I I love... Um, first of all, I mean, Chester was right, though, is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a very good dichotomy of, like, kind of the trusting, like, lovable dog and the, like, very neurotic cat who needs to visit Dr. Katz to work out his issues. Um, and it, it rings true to, like, if you've spent time with a cat and a dog. Like, it, it feels real while also being sort of surreal and hilarious.
0: There's a lot of good wordplay. I mean, obviously, the celery stalks at midnight and the steak... But Think a lot that, of yeah, a lot of um, homophone jokes and a lot of jokes of taking phrases and idioms and things literally through the pets perspective, which I always appreciate. I don't know, do we have anything else to say about our feelings? Why don't we talk about the things that they do wrong for
2: pets? So yeah, let's talk about this this uh, pet treatment and the food choices made because I'm I'm so much more worked up about it now than <laughs> I was when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, it's not good advice. There's a whole
2: sequence where Harold goes on about how he gets to share chocolate cupcakes with Pete, um, the, who I think is the older son, I think.
1: No, I think the younger son actually is the one who is like more friendly with Harold. Yeah, yeah, Toby, I think,
2: yeah. Um, but, you yeah, know, it's a whole thing where he's like, well, me and Pete, we spend time together and I he shares his chocolate cupcakes and gives me like and it's, he eats like two or three chocolate cupcakes in a sitting. And there's just no like
1: there's on no the off, regular, like yeah. it's like almost daily.
2: Yeah, it's nuts. And and like and that and it's a continuing theme for for Harold, like his favorite food is chocolate. And it's it there's never any kind of nod in the narrative about how, well, you know, don't give your dog chocolate because they'll die.
1: Right. And I know, I mean, this book is literally 40 years old, but I feel like 40 years ago we also knew not to give chocolate to dogs.
2: Yeah, because at some point someone probably did and was like, well, can't get that back, you know.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's Houston Howalday Inn, too, when they're trying to lure him into the car to go to the pet boarding place, the Howalday Inn, uh, Chateau Bow Wow they use, like, a trail of chocolate cupcakes to get Harold into the car, which... Odd. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, M-
2: Chester gets milk every day,
0: which we know now is not good um,
2: for cats. Listen, as someone who has a cat who has digestive issues, oh. I, I can't even... Oh, he's, he's doing much better now. But, like, for a while there, it was just daily everywhere. <laughs> and so giving your cat, you know, milk... Is you're just you're creating that situation for yourself, and I can't imagine someone doing that beyond the first time seeing the result and being like, "Oh, that should be fine. Let's give him some more."
1: I mean, at least I I know like giving a cat a saucer of milk is sort of like a big cultural image still, and so I sort of understand that more than I understand giving the dog chocolate on the daily. That that's like never a thing. Like it's never know. been a thing,
2: and it's specifically chocolate. Yeah. Like, and I mean, I guess culturally there was a time period. This was a time period where most cats were let outside on the regular, so they never had to see the result of all of that mm. lactose. But yeah, I don't. I've just it took me out of it occasionally because I would be going, "What are you doing? You're killing your pets. <laughs> You're supposed to be educated, intelligent people." I thought you guys were
0: smart.
1: <laughs> Didn't Doctor Katz tell you you need a you know what, you need an animal uh, psychiatrist and an animal nutritionist?
0: Ah, uh, that's where that's where they failed, I guess.
1: Um. Also, also with rabbits, I think giving them vegetables is supposed to be like a treat, and they're supposed to eat you know like rabbit pellets or whatever.
2: Yes, that is also right? true. I've, I've
1: never owned a rabbit, but I've anyway.
2: Yes, please tell us about rabbit dietary habits, Kate.
1: Um, I mean, yeah, there's rabbit
0: pellets and then also like hay and alfalfa and kind of more grassy type feed is good for rabbits. Um, and, and vegetables are kind of like a, a treat, not their main dietary staple, really. And at least my rabbit and it could be because a, a lot of rabbits have like terrible overbites because in the wild, they would, I guess, like eat at things that would wear their teeth down. But when they just live in a cage, their teeth just grow. Um, Actually, so I've have had to, a lot of rats. Yeah, yeah. So you gotta, you gotta clip. They have just clip to their on. teeth.
1: Oh god. Oh. yeah. Although, oh I, ge- god. I guess that is true for non-vampire rabbits, and I guess there probably <laughs> is different rules for vampires.
2: Yes, and it's not, it's not painful. It doesn't hurt them. Do you clip a vampire rabbit's fangs? That's my question now. Yeah. Do they just keep growing unless they? get to bite and suck on vegetables or oh my god
0: i'm not sure but my rabbit my rabbit didn't even really like carrots very much lettuce was more his jam uh he was into lettuce and spinach and other leafy things but you know we tried to give him harder vegetables and he was just not interested and it could have been that he was like a fat lazy inside rabbit who was like i have to work very hard to eat this carrot and this lettuce <laughs> goes right in my mouth and i can move on with my life um (laughs) but yeah but i guess also if if you are a vampire rabbit and you sustain uh yourself on a liquid diet it must be pretty hard to like suck the liquid out of hay or rabbit pellets so maybe in this case we're lucky that the monroes don't seem to know anything about pet dietary needs god
1: (laughs) yeah i mean all there is also the thing of i mean i i guess like, a stray cat or dog you might take home. If I saw a stray rabbit, I feel like I would not assume that it was a pet rabbit. I feel like I'd be like, oh, this is a wild rabbit. Well, I that think the It is so. in a movie theater.
2: There's a yeah. detail in there, too, where it's like, he was in a shoebox filled with dirt.
1: Oh, I missed that? And that yeah. is actually very true to the Dracula lore, so... Yeah, right. it's, it's it's literally his little coffin.
0: Oh, His little shoebox coffin. Yeah, the fact that he's like in the box, wrapped up in like rags, and also that he's black and white, I think yeah. uh, would make me would would ping me to, oh, this is a this is a, a a pet rabbit that someone has abandoned here. Like if it was one of like the brown outside rabbits that we have around here, I guess even if it wasn't a box with rags, I'd be like, this is a pet rabbit. If it was just like sitting on a chair, I'd be like how did you get here? Why have you not run away? Why aren't you sitting closer if you're here to see the movie? You probably can't see over the top of these chairs.
2: <laughs> mm. And you don't have great eyesight because you don't eat a lot of carrots. It's
0: true. Right. But yeah, I'd absolutely take home a movie theater rabbit to the surprise of no one.
1: Alright, well, this is all good to know. <laughs> um, Shall we move on to our dramatic readings?
2: Yes, let's. All right, I'm going to start from, uh... Wait, Chester, what's that on the floor by the refrigerator? Wait, Chester, what's that on the floor by the refrigerator? He turned. This new object interested him much more than following Benicula. Watch out, he said. I'll take care of this. He slunk across the room slowly, muscles taut, eyes alert. When he was about six inches away, he stuck out his paw, closed his eyes, and batted at the object tentatively. I don't think he made any contact. "'Get closer,' I said. "'Chester's eyes popped open. "'Who's the cat here?' he asked. "'I know what I'm doing.' And he proceeded to bat at the air three more times. "'What is it?' I squealed as my throat contracted in fear. "'I don't know yet, but whatever it is, "'it's not alive.' "'Oh, boy. If I wait for you, "'we'll be here all night.' I walked bravely to the object and sniffed it. "'Well?' asked Chester. "'Beats me.' Chester came closer. After a moment of close examination, he gasped. I jumped. I could feel my heart pounding in my chest. Harold, Chester blurted. What? What? It's... Yes? It's... What is it, Chester? It's a white zucchini! (laughs) And that's where that bit ends.
1: Alright, I'm going to be reading something, actually, um, shortly after that. As Chester... Continues his his desperate attempts to warn his family. He stopped before me, never taking his gaze from me, and lunged. Yow! Mom, Chester bit Harold on the neck. Ah, that wasn't a real bite, was it, Chester? That was a love bite. Isn't that cute? Love bite, my foot. That hurt. Chester, what's the matter with you? I sputtered. Do I look like a tomato? Oh, it doesn't matter anyway, Harold. They don't understand. How can human beings read the same books I do and still be so thick? Our conversation was interrupted. Mrs. Monroe picked Chester up and cuddled him. I was praying she would not add insult to injury by kissing his nose, which he hates more than anything. Poor Chester, do you need a little love? Do you know what I'm going to do, you big ball of fuzz, you? Oh, Oh, I could tell what was coming. I'm going to kiss you on your little nose. Yep, I could tell that was coming, all right. Chester knew better than to resist. He went limp in Mrs. Monroe's arms. Mr. Monroe took his towel off Chester. I still don't know why he's wearing my towel. I think he must be cold, dear. Here's your towel. Why don't you get his kitty sweater? Chester looked ill. And he can wear that all day. As Chester was being buttoned into his bright yellow sweater, with little purple mice and cowboy hats all over it, Mr. Monroe said, "'What about those vegetables? Should I speak to Tom Cragen?' "'Yes, dear,' Mrs. Monroe said. "'Why don't you? I'm sure there's some explanation. "'In the meantime, I'll change markets. "'To tell you the truth, I'm really much more worried about Chester. "'We'd better keep our eye on him.' By the way, Duarte was sitting in my lap while I read that, but then halfway through he got mad and left. I think he started to get afraid that I too would put a sweater on him. Did you have <laughs> one with like purple mice with cowboy hats? I wish totally I would. did.
2: Yeah, me too. I'd wear that myself.
1: <laughs> we could get matching ones, adult and cat size. Yes. Oh, the dream.
2: Next
0: year's Christmas card. Yes.
1: Alright, I
0: am going to close this out of the dramatic readings by reading about Uh, Chester's attempts to stake Benicula. When I looked around, Benicula was lying next to me, still sound asleep. There you are, I said. We got him out. Now let's eat. No dice, Chester said. Just read this to me and I'll be sure I'm doing it right. And he handed me a book. That book, again. Start at the top of the page, Chester said as he picked up the stake. Why don't you read it and I'll hold the stake? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, chester replied i took it to mean that i was to start reading to destroy the vampire and end his reign of terror it is necessary to pound a sharp steak chester interrupted a sharp steak he asked what does that mean i'll taste it and tell you if it's sharp i offered oh never mind this will do its sirloin keep reading To pound a sharp stake into the vampire's heart. This must be done during the daylight hours when the vampire has no powers. Okay, he said. This is it. I'm sorry I had to go this far, but if they'd listened, this wouldn't have been necessary. He dragged the stake across the floor and laid it across the inert bunny. Then, with his paws, he began to hit the stake. Are you sure this is what they mean, Chester? "'Am I anywhere near his heart?' he asked. "'It's hard to tell,' I said. "'All I can really see are his nose and ears. "'You know, he's really sort of cute.' "'Chester was getting that glint in his eyes again. "'He was pounding away at the stake harder and harder. "'Be careful,' I cried. "'You'll hurt him.' "'Chester increased his attack. "'I was really getting worried when the door opened "'and Mr. and Mrs. Monroe were suddenly with us in the room. "'Chester!' Mrs. Monroe screamed. What are you doing with my dinner? Robert, get that steak away from Chester. And what's the matter with Benicula? Why is he on the floor? Mr. Monroe took the beautiful steak away. I wished it a fond farewell with tears in my eyes. As the kitchen door swung open, Chester whispered with cold determination, All right, the last resort, and dashed into the kitchen. Seconds later, he was back, carrying his water dish between his teeth he ran toward Banicula and with a mad yell, threw the dish of water at the rabbit. Unfortunately, he was so hysterical that his aim was not the best. With water dripping from my ears, I watched Mrs. Monroe pick Chester up by the scruff of his neck and tossed him unceremoniously out the front door. Robert, we are going to have to do something about that cat. Look at this mess. Dinner's ruined, the poor bunny is out of his cage, and Harold is sopping wet. I tried to look as pathetic as I knew how. Oh, poor Harold, Mrs. Monroe cooed as she tried me off. You've had a rough day, you and Benicula. I don't know what's the matter with your friend, but unless he learns how to behave, he'll just have to spend the night outside. Mr. Monroe, meanwhile, had restored Benicula to his cage and the cage to the window sill. I couldn't believe it when I saw that Benicula was still asleep. "'And,' Mr. Monroe said, the stake is ruined. Why don't we let Harold have it? He deserves a treat anyway, don't you, old boy?
2: I panted, appropriately. This is just a fun book. <laughs> so I appreciate the implication that Chester thinks that his water dish is filled with holy water.
0: <laughs> yeah, Chester, you got, some, you got some big ideas about yourself, which I guess That's is bad. not surprising, given the cats I've met.
1: Yeah, it seems on brand. You know what, it's what cats deserve.
0: (laughs) Should we move on to some would-you-rather?
1: Let's. Would-you-rather, and this is something we didn't actually mention, but throughout it, one of the boys is constantly trying to read Treasure Island, and Harold finds it boring. Would you rather read Treasure Island or eat Treasure Island?
0: So, I feel like there's you know it it depends generally i'd say read it but i don't know if it was like a special edition published on something that looked appetizing
2: yeah that's see that's where i'm at if it's a special edition it would depend on the edition uh
1: uh, okay so like a special edition where all the pages are made of like fruit roll-ups I was going to say fruit roll-ups.
0: We're just... We're on the same page.
1: If you're going to have an edible book... You're on the same fruit roll-up. Yes. Exactly. I mean, just anything else would be silly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would rather watch Muppet Treasure Island. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Would you rather have a pet vampire bunny like Banicula? Or a pet intelligent, literate cat like Chester or Duarte?
0: Uh, you know, I'm gonna go with a pet vampire bunny like Vanicula. Uh, I like creepy things, I like bunnies, I like the intersection of the two, and also I'm very allergic to cats.
1: Plus, like we said, I mean, those, those vampire vegetables are gonna be so Instagrammable.
2: Right. Very
0: true.
1: I think I'd rather
2: have an intelligent literate cat just because I read a lot and I'd love to have someone to just kind of discuss what I'm reading with all the time, you know, especially someone who's also going to sleep as much as I do.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I love my intelligent literate cat. So I'm keeping him.
2: Or <laughs> it would be kind of a betrayal.
1: Yeah. Um. Finally, would you rather share a steak with Harold the dog or Eat at Steaks and Cakes, which is, of course, uh, the fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle the movie that only serves steaks and cakes, and is our beloved sponsor. Uh,
0: You know, this is rough for me, because Harold does seem like a good dog. Uh, I, I, I would, I think, rather go to Steaks and Cakes because... You know, I, I Harold seems like a good dog But I don't necessarily know that I want my dog germs To get his dog germs Rather, in sharing a steak With him But maybe I'll go to Steaks and Cakes and bring home Some leftover steak for him as a treat Not any cake, obviously Because mm-hmm. uh, as we've discussed Many things in cakes are not good for dogs <laughs> mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. But, you I'm, know
2: I'm so confused by the concept Of Steaks and Cakes Like, Do the, the cakes come out with the steaks? Or do you just cram a bunch of meat and then a bunch of sugar? like You get a full platter of steaks, like a
0: platter just covered in a pile of steaks, and then afterwards, they bring you full cakes on cake plates. Oh my god! (laughs) This is a real thing that someone, in dressing the Christian Mingle the movie set, decided should be a restaurant. And of course, we are behind this model, as they are our beloved sponsor.
1: Yes,
2: absolutely, of course. Um... I think, I think the share of steak with Harold. I mean, I think I, I mean I go to steaks and cakes. What am I talking about? But as far as the share of steak with Harold, I mean, maybe you could just cut it in half and then give him one half and then have the other half yourself and then not have to worry about the germs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm vegetarian, so I would happily give Harold my whole steak, but uh, instead I will go to steaks and cakes and just eat my cake there.
2: Yeah, I think that's yeah. Because Harold doesn't have cake. I mean, he might, but he's probably eaten it already.
1: Yeah, exactly. And
2: I guess died from it.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no, no, too real. Uh, Okay, that's how we play Would You Rather. (laughs) Let's move on to Reader's Advisory, where we'll suggest some books to read um, instead of, or in addition to the Benicula series. Which, to recap, I mean, we do definitely recommend these books, so. Yeah,
0: this is a strong in addition, to. Um, so I, I put together a whole list that we'll have on the website of just, like, other early, late 80s, early to mid 90s, middle grade, scholastic book fair, scary-esque books. Some particulars that I loved as a child and probably would still love now, but I haven't revisited them. Are the Dollhouse Murders by Betty Renwright, Ghost Cat by Beverly Butler, which is very on theme, uh, Bruce Coville's Nina Tan Levin books, which of course we covered last summer during uh, Flashback Summer, and uh, many others. But this was it was a very the late eighties to mid nineties was a, a very good time for cheap paperback middle grade ish horror books, really and I love them all.
2: Um, I've only got one, uh, but it's a really good one, I think. Um, And it is an ongoing comic called Beasts of Burden by uh, Evan Dorkin and uh, illustrated by Jill Thompson. Um, And it's sort of like if Benicula grew up and expanded a bit, um, it's it's about uh, uh, some neighborhood animals, um, some dogs and a few cats. And basically their neighborhood is sort of – they live uh, in a neighborhood called Burden Hill. Um, and it's five dogs and a cat. Um, and they, uh, basically their neighborhood is totally freaking haunted. Um, totally. And by like, like, well, the one that really stuck with me was, um, uh, a herd of ghost sheep who had been in a terrible fire. Um, one of the dogs, uh, can kind of see, uh, beyond the veil a bit. And, um, uh, so the other dogs were meeting these sheep, and they were going, "Oh no, you yeah, know, it's terrible what happened to us, but we're all right now." And the dog who could see beyond the veil was seeing these beautifully illustrated, horrific, you know, burned sheep skeletons talking to them. Um, it really, it is, it is a bit intense, but it it is still very, it's very similar in kind of sort of the tone, but uh, you know, just more mature. And I really, really enjoy it. It sounds right up my alley. I think you would love it, frankly, Kate.
1: I'm scared. Um, I <laughs> <laughs> I just have a few recommendations that are not scary, but are narrated by animals in a way that um, isn't devastating, in the way that the Warriors books are. Um, and they're <laughs> the one and only Ivan by Katherine Applegate. And also sort of adjacent previous flashback summer champion the Animorphs series uh, (laughs) which is not technically narrated by animals but also kind of is though. Uh, And uh, Black Beauty by Anna Sewell which I loved as a child. Oh yeah me too. Um, Although in retrospect also kind of harrowing like definitely was trying to raise awareness for horse welfare and I was not focused on that part of it. (laughs) At all. Uh, and, uh, I mentioned this earlier, but I do think this kind of reads as, like, a proto-series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket, just in the sort of tone and vocabulary used. And I still like those books. Same. Uh, and the Netflix show. Although I haven't finished it. But anyway, we'll have all of those and some other ones up on our website, which is worstbestsellers.com. And we'll move on now to our candy pairing where just like a restaurant other than steaks and cakes might recommend a fine wine to go with your meal we'll recommend a candy to go along with this book. Uh,
0: I want candy Re- adjacent for this one. I want more more wine closer <laughs> to wine probably than candy uh, which is Ecto Cooler which was the best spooky adjacent drink during the time in my life when I was reading these spooky adjacent books. Nice. If you are not if you're you're not a millennial, Ecto Cooler was a flavor of uh high C that was sponsored by
2: endorsed by uh It was, it was like a
1: tie-in, in, yeah, a Ghostbusters yeah, tie-in drink.
2: Creamy. The flavor was slimer. I mean I assume that's what slimer tastes like.
1: Yeah, oh. it was kinda
0: like citrusy <laughs> and it was bright green when you poured it and uh we were real into it, especially when they, they came high C and juicy juice would come in those giant cans. Which... You... <laughs> <laughs> like in retrospect, what a terrible conveyance of juice.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you had to open it at both ends with the little yeah object. Yeah. Oh my god.
2: <laughs> god how did we even get sustenance in those days? I don't just... know.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> from eating fruit roll-ups. Yes, <laughs> eating fruit roll-up books.
2: Oh. Um, mine is uh, white chocolate, which I uh I actually personally don't like very much, but um I think Benicula would appreciate it at least in theme. Um, but also because it's chocolate and dogs die if they eat chocolate. Please don't give your dog chocolate cupcakes or chocolate anything. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, I sort of went along that theme and I'm also recycling a candy that I previously used when we talked about murder games featuring the hip straight drug Skittles. And I um I wanted to let everyone know that one year for Pride Month, Skittles released all white Skittles because they're like, Oh, we're already like like gays can have the rainbow this month and we'll just do white Skittles, I guess disturbing implications but okay yeah they had a statement that sort of made sense but also sort of didn't
2: um <laughs> anyway
1: so a i just want to wish wish you all a happy pride month from yes, skittles and from worst sellers and b obviously Bonicio sucked all of the colors out of those skittles and that's why they're white <laughs> <sighs> delicious all right now i'm hungry and thirsty for some mecto cooler But let's, uh, let's play some Rock, Paper, Snicked, which is, of course, the game where Kate says who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book, and Laura will decide which most enhances the book, or she can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is...
0: So, uh, if The Rock was in this book, he would just play Mr. Monroe in an adaptation, um, because a cameo by The Rock is really all you can do to make this book better, aside from maybe obviously stripping out the uh, pet dietary issues. (laughs) But yeah, they're just simple as that.
1: Um, Meanwhile, if Wolverine were in this book, um, there's been a recent development in the comics that I am mildly obsessed with, where Wolverine has, of course, returned from the dead with the ability to charge his claws with a burst of heat. So now he has hot claws. <laughs> and uh, I've mentioned multiple times on the podcast before how much I love it when Wolverine just, like, straight up eats things off his claws. It's so stupid and so funny. Wait,
2: can, can we please pretend that I found a really good joke about hot claws buns or something to do with butts? I don't know, because that's what came to my mind, but I, I can't get there on my own. Someone else did
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, hot claws buns is very important. Everything about hot claws is the best. Anyway, so I just imagine that when they're, like, when Chester's trying to stake Benicula and they're, like, tussling with this, like, raw steak, Wolverine is, like, in the neighborhood, no big deal, and he smells this with his keen senses. He, like, busts in the door, grabs this raw steak, lightly cooks it on his hot claws, and then eats it all off his claws, and then he leaves, and the book continues as normal. (laughs) Yeah, he and he doesn't look back behind him, like, cool guys never look at explosions or ruin family dinners. He's just gone. Oh, God! <laughs>
2: um, I'm delighted by both of these. Can I suggest a middle ground compromise? No.
1: Sorry. <laughs> That's the rules of the game. Damn. Well, in that case,
2: God. I was I was really sold on The Rock as Mr. Monroe, but I, I really need Wolverine to just walk in, eat the steak that he's heated up with his claws, and then just walk out without saying a word or looking at anybody.
0: Thank I you, Sam. It is very good. I, very-
2: can't, <laughs> I can't argue. It's very good. My middle ground suggestion was going to just be that Wolverine plays Harold and The Rock just plays Chester, totally straight, no costumes or anything. Oh, I would also love that. that would be amazing? <laughs> God
1: comics are good you guys what oh, says this <laughs> book um, alright what do we bes- besides Uh, this book is good what do we think the moral of the story is
0: uh, my moral of the story is that rabbits have done nothing wrong ever in their lives
1: well my moral of the story is believe cats I think mine is
2: not going to surprise anybody it is of course don't feed your dog chocolate cupcakes oh my god <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's fair. Arguably <laughs> that's not the moral of the story, that's the moral of this podcast. <laughs>
2: yes.
0: Absolutely. But I
1: support it. That's a life code I live by. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um next up is Duarte's Corner where my cat Duarte gives his opinions about the book. He's already weighed in a few times, but you know, this is very relevant to his experiences, so. What else do you have to say, Duarte? <laughs> Yeah, look, Dorita, you're you're right. Chester is very smart. No one listens to him. Um, I would absolutely love to read the book from Chester's point of view. I don't I don't know what to tell you.
0: Yeah, I, I don't have an answer for why Harold they let Harold write the book and not Chester. You know, I I think that maybe Chester's version would be a little more biased. But uh, you know, once again, and I know I've said this to you before, Duarte, but there's a whole internet for your fan fiction, And I'm sure they would love to read on AO3 your story of Benicula from Chester's point of view.
2: So, you know, Duarte, I do appreciate that you point out sort of the metaphor of the cat not being able to tell his own story and the rabbit who doesn't actually ever speak within the story. Sort of speaking to how our culture is very dog dominated overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I found that really insightful.
1: Yeah, it's very smart. And, and you know, the other thing I will say, Duarte, is, he, as you know, cats need and deserve, like, 18 hours of sleep a day, and so that really does cut into your writing time, so maybe Chester just didn't have time to write his book. Because, you know, he was he was spending all that sleep time trying to just keep an eye on Vanicula for the good of the family, and so he probably just didn't have the time or energy. That's also a good point. Uh, alright. Well Duarte, thanks as ever for your opinions. So much. Um, as as a reward, I will get you a yellow sweater with mice on it. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> uh now, do any humans have any closing thoughts about Banicula? Uh, it's a good book. Yeah, it is a good book.
2: I love it, and I love the entire, like, genre of Kidlet that doesn't that lets kids read at a more advanced level, I guess. Like, I'm still on on that. I love that's the reason why I'm able to have a more expanded vocabulary as an adult, I think, because i read a lot of books that were, you know, they didn't dumb it down for me. And I, I just really appreciate that. Plus, of course, they're delightful. They're just so delightful and the characters are so colorful. And yeah, they're just they're, they're great books. And you should read them if you have any, even if you are an adult.
1: Yes. Um, also, more people should write children's books where nothing bad happens to animals, except for maybe they are not fed correctly. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know that I have anything else to say except that largely I think these books held up and uh yeah.
1: Yeah, when that's another good thing about like a book focused mostly on animals is you're I'm not saying it's impossible, but I feel like it's way less likely that you're going to go back and be like, "Oh no, this was racist."
0: Yeah, there's a couple dodgy comments
2: Violence, yeah, the bit but about the violence. Yes, yeah, that's you know, but I think that's also like, unfortunately, and it shouldn't be this way. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't know that that word is a slur for uh, Romanian traveler people. So uh, yes.
1: yeah. but oh, overall,
0: overall, yeah, like there was an, and it wasn't, it was, it was very in passing too. But yeah, like overall. The story itself, the characters themselves, generally held up, um, yeah, you know, with the so. exception, as we've mentioned, of Pet Dietary Needs. <laughs>
1: yes. All right. Well, and thanks for joining us for the start of Flashback Summer. If you'd like to weigh in, join us on the internet to talk more about Benicula or other childhood faves, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash bestsellers. We are also on Twitter where we're at Worst Bestseller with no S because, um, Benikula sucked the S right out of our name. This, it's true. You know what? He was hungry. He deserves it. It's fine. And, uh, we also have a Goodreads group that is best accessed by going to our website, WorstBestsellers.com, and clicking on the Goodreads group.
0: You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify all the podcast places just go to your podcast place of choice and search for us and you can subscribe to us Uh, and if you do subscribe to us we'd really appreciate it if you would take a moment to rate and review us when you rate and review us it moves us up a little bit on the podcast charts and makes it easier for new people to find us uh, if you don't rate and review us, we are going to be forced to let Benicula free in your kitchen, and all you'll have are these hard white vegetables, which I guess maybe that's not a, a great uh, a, a great threat, because you can then probably sell them at the farmer's market for a lot of money, so maybe we should save that for ourselves.
1: We'll have Benicula drain your vegetables, but then we'll take them, and then you just don't exactly. have any vegetables. Yes. You'll have to eat for roll-ups. <laughs>
0: You can also subscribe to us on uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers, uh, where for a small monthly recurring donation, there are several perks that you can get, uh, including a newsletter that goes out and um, all sorts of other things that will pop up occasionally. Uh, The money goes to do things like pay for our editor and... Uh, keep our equipment up to date and things like that
1: buy sweaters for duarte
0: buy sweaters for duarte Uh, it also allows us to pay artists to create merch and logos for us which is why if you go to worstbestsellers.com and click on merch you can go to our store and buy all sorts of things uh, from our podcast to wear on your body yay
1: or your cat's body
0: I don't think I don't think we've got any cat. I mean, I guess you could put a onesie on your cat. We do have some
1: onesies. Yes. Uh, I can't believe I haven't tried that yet. <laughs> All right, I have to go. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> <Yeah, hi. laughs> um, no, I have to I have to place this order, and then as soon as it arrives, I have to go. <laughs> um, in the meantime, if you'd like to follow me personally on Twitter, I'm at Renata Snacks.
0: If you would like to follow me personally on Twitter, I am at
2: 14 Across. Know me better and follow me on Twitter. I am at Me Young, which is M-I-Y-O-U-N-G.
1: Yay. Laura, thanks so much for joining us on this trip down memory lane.
2: Absolutely my pleasure. It's been an honest honestly, it's been an honest delight. Hooray. Hooray. Thanks so much.
1: Um, and thanks to everyone for listening and we will continue on with flashback summer in two weeks with a, a visit to wayside school or we'll read sideways stories from wayside school by Lewis Sacker. And Very we, exciting. we can't wait. Yes. Okay. Bye. Bye.